Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of my favorite things about my job is the interactive nature of it. I I like talking with people, and that's one of the reasons why live on video we take comments. We do that before the show begins with our first and 15 on DogNation.com and the Dog Nation app. We do that after the show as a part of our R.S. Andrews cooldown. I genuinely look forward to being in Athens on these particular Saturdays because I get a chance to see many of you face-to-face and talk to you there. And I love hearing your thoughts about you know the show or hearing your thoughts especially about Georgia football because that's what we try to do around here. We try to reflect that fan conversation. And one of the other ways we do that at Dog Nation is with a content series called Gimme Five. It's a Q&A type thing. And each week, one of the Dog Nation folks, you've seen Mike Griffith do it and Connor Riley do it and Jeff Sintel do it. And uh, every now and then you'll see me do it where we'll just ask for questions. What do you have on your mind as it relates to Georgia football? And we'll do our best, try to provide some answers. I got some, it was my turn to do it this week. And I got some really, really great questions. Some of them were kind of um, uh, kind of what you would expect to get this time of year. And some of them were a little bit more unorthodox. And I tried to really kind of put my uh, heart into answering this as well as I possibly could. In fact, you'll be able to read that on dognation.com here today. There's also a video piece that I put up there, too, as it relates to uh, Eric Gilbert and some of the other things going on with Georgia. So I hope you'll check that out. But what I found to be really interesting about the questions that I got is that so many of them can kind of be put into sort of two themes here, two boxes here for a moment. And um, I want to kind of spend some time on what I would say are like two lingering concerns that Georgia fans have about their team right now. Now, obviously, there's not much to be concerned about. Georgia's 3-0, and ranked number one in all the major polls. Georgia is off to, um, to, a, to a really hot start here to the season. But there are some things that some fans are noticing on offense and maybe one thing that Georgia fans are kind of noticing on defense and I think it's at least worth a conversation here and the offensive side you probably heard us address this before you've heard a lot of Georgia fans maybe in whatever circle you happen to run in they're kind of talking about this right now it is hey what's going on with the UGA running game no one can deny that the Georgia offense is electric they're scoring what 43 points a game something like that Stetson Bennett's making a case for himself for the Heisman Trophy Brock Bowers is showing you last Saturday he's one of the best players in the country regardless of position and yet when it comes to traditional running plays from Georgia running backs there might be some 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 lingering issues about all of that you may remember a couple of weeks ago Kirby Smart was sort of asked about that as it kind of related to hey not scoring some touchdowns in the red zone against Samford and for the Georgia fan who may be expressing some concern is everything perfect and is everything right when it comes to the Georgia running situation right now the rushing attack Kirby Smart did have a little bit of a pushback for that a couple of weeks ago as a way of setting up this conversation right now and reflecting the questions that we got a lot this week for Gimme 5. Let me go back in time and let you hear Kirby Smart on that. I think you got to have a run game to win tight ball games, you know, to be a good physical team. And I, I have, like, I, there's not a lack of confidence in our run game for me. Uh, I think people look at statistics, and, and that's all they look at. I look at it as um, what have we asked our guys to do. And a lot of things – no offense that you guys don't don't understand about football you know when you talk about passing and yardage I would say probably 30 to 40 percent of the plays you're calling a pass or yardage is a run play and they could be very successful run plays the question is are they more successful as a run play are they more successful when we decide to throw the ball out of that run play so the evaluation for us is those plays are running plays and, and a lot of times we put them in rushing yardage 
because they're actually replacing rushing yardage. I know that's really complicated, but that's that's the way we look at it. So we're not evaluating it just alone on how many times we rush the ball. So I don't think that topic is quite as com- complicated as Kirby Smart makes that to be right there. But nonetheless, the point that he's making is probably an important one to consider, that there appears to be a little bit of an evolution with the Georgia offense. And I think that evolution is worth us noticing, and it's worth bringing into a discussion that some Georgia fans might have as kind of a lingering concern of, hey, what you know, what's going on with UGA right now? Are, are they running the football as effective as, as they could be? Kirby Smart's faced some questions around that. Georgia fans are kind of asking each other around that. And like, I think one of the things, when I saw so many folks kind of reach out to me and ask about that this week, so much so that I thought, hey, maybe I should address this on Dog Nation Daily. I think one of the things that I kind of found as sort of an immediate challenge with all of this is how do you define the problem? You've probably heard it said in life before that you can't really solve a problem unless you define what the problem is. And so I tried to find like statistical evidence there even is a problem related to this because like one of the things you sometimes hear people say, there's this like category of statistical data, like the advanced stats. Sometimes I call them fancy stats. And like one of those stats is like what you call rushing success rate. In other words, it's not just how many rushing yards you have per play, but it's like your success rate on those rushing plays. On first and 10, a successful play is generally viewed to be like, say, five yards. Uh, 70% of the yards on second down is generally viewed as a successful play. And then converting on third and fourth down, however many yards you need, that's a successful play. So while Georgia's overall yards per rush average may not always look great, it was 5.9 against South Carolina, but prior to that may not always look great. Georgia, if you care about, like, say, success rate and some things like that, Georgia actually fares pretty well from a success rate standpoint. Uh, so that's one of those things that kind of clouds this story of, are we sure that Georgia even has a problem? Are we sure that you can even point to some evidence that Georgia is deficient in its running game? Well, here's one of the things that I kind of zeroed in on here just for a moment, which is that Georgia is just 79th in the country right now. That's on the other side of the national average, 79th in the country right now when it comes to rushing plays of 10 or more yards. Now, when you think of what we kind of think of as RBU and stuff like that, you would expect Georgia to have far more 10-plus yard runs than that. And this is also a category that Georgia wasn't necessarily great in last year either. So just 79th in the country in rushing plays of 10 or more yards. But here's one of the things that I saw that I thought was kind of fascinating, that while that number is not necessarily great, did you know this? To go back to Kirby's point of, hey, Sometimes we have passing plays that are technically almost like running plays. And sometimes, you know, that's kind of the evolution that George is going through here. To back up Kirby's point on that, did you know that George is just 112th in the country right now in rushing plays per game? Dramatic change from where things used to be. Go back to the last season before Todd Munkin got here. That's 2019. It was also prior to last season, the last full season of college football because 2020 was a shorter season. In 2019, George was 67th in the country in rushing plays per game. But uh, this year, so far, through three games, Georgia just 112th. So when you think about the ratio of overall rushing plays to rushing plays that go for 10 or more yards, it's actually not quite so bad necessarily and maybe kind of causing you to kind of reconsider uh, about whether or not there really even is an issue when it comes to the, to the Georgia rushing attack. Furthermore, as other folks kind of pointed out, that while maybe guys like Kenny McIntosh haven't exactly – you know, had moments to really dazzle you with their traditional running plays right now. You know, McIntosh was a big part of the passing game against Oregon. Kendall Milton's caught a touchdown so far this year, too, that Georgia running backs are being used maybe in more creative ways than they've been used in the past. And if you want to go back to Kirby Smart during the summer, 
this is basically uh, offensive evolution that he kind of foreshadowed then. He predicted this would take place right now and maybe even gave you a warning that Georgia, which has been very traditionally kind of an RBU-style program and cultivated its running backs in kind of a similar form, maybe now that means something different and maybe it's what the NFL is looking for that's kind of caused that to be different. Let's remind you Kirby Smart from the summer on this topic here now. In college football, you become a weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield. They want to grow at that. They want to be able to um, showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield. So the NFL asks about, can you catch the ball out of the backfield? Can you be a third down back? Well, we, we like to grow NFL backs here. So to do that, you got to use them in the passing game. So that's what Kirby Smart told you back in the offseason. And thus far with Milton and McIntosh, that's kind of what George has done. However, to kind of go back the other direction here for a moment. Here's the other thing we understand there, too. And Kirby Smart said this at the beginning of the first clip we mentioned there a moment ago, that you've got to be run. You've got to be able to run the ball to be successful in college football. Think about the national championship game last year. Think about the way that, you know, prior to the Brock Bowers touchdown, the A.D. Mitchell touchdown, Georgia started asserting itself on the ground there late in that game, made the shift at offensive line, put Broderick Jones in a tackle kicked Jamari Salyer into guard. All of a sudden, Georgia started asserting a level of physical dominance over Alabama, and it's one of the reasons that Georgia won the title. And if you think about something else from 2021, the reason that Georgia was even eligible to be in the college football playoff, the reason that Georgia even got the nod to be a part of that journey in the postseason is also because of what it did week one against Clemson. That was a day in which Georgia only won 10-3, didn't have an offensive touchdown at all during the game. But in the fourth quarter, when Georgia really needed to, there was a lot of Zamir White, a little bit of James Cook, and some big-time carries late in that game to move the chains, to keep the ball, and to keep the Clemson offense on the sideline and prevent them from having any chance to come back and win that game. It was hard yards late. It's exactly the kind of thing that Kirby Smart talked about a moment ago, and at the time, it was also the kind of thing that there in Charlotte he was noticing as a big part of that win. Let's go back to Kirby Smart from last September as a reminder of that. When our offense had to convert, when our offense had to force the ball down somebody's throat, a pretty good defense, you know, they were able to do it. And uh, that makes me proud. But we certainly have a long way to go um, to be explosive and, and get where we need to go offensively. So to the lingering fan concern about what's going on with the UGA rushing attack, I'll join them in saying that Georgia is probably going to need to get some hard yards eventually did last year against Clemson, needed some of that against Alabama there as well, and in all likelihood, that is going to be needed at some point in time this year too. And how Georgia does in passing that test, as of right now, I don't quite think we do know the answer to that. But let me give you one more thing to consider here, and we'll wrap this topic up. There is also a chance that Georgia's playing in such a way right now that those hard yards might not be quite as necessary. Because you know, big-time rushing attack, big-time running plays, and the situations I just described – they're sort of only necessary in a close game or a late game in which you're trying to preserve maybe in some cases a small lead. What happens if you have a big lead? All of a sudden then, maybe that kind of stuff doesn't matter quite so much. So the point here is we may not yet know how well Georgia's offense form, you know, performs in a late game situation with a small lead, but we know how good they are right now at building a big lead. <laughs> and maybe that version of the Georgia offense doesn't plan on slowing down anytime soon. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. We are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, everything else. 
Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. However you get to us, we are just so happy to have you here. And we're so thankful to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible there as well. And today when I woke up, felt a little bit like fall. And tomorrow we're going to hear more from Mel Dorsey, CBS 46, later on this. And you can actually see this at dognation.com yourself. Got a little bit of fall temperatures for game day tomorrow too. All the more of a reminder that we're heading into that kind of fall season. Of course, one of the centerpieces of fall for maybe you, certainly for me, if you've got young kids, it's definitely the case. You start thinking about Halloween. And when you think about Halloween, I want you to think about our friends at Kroger because they got great savings on everything you need to get the Halloween season up and running just right. Have you noticed that like decorations are a big part of Halloween now, like lights and things like that? It used to be like that was just kind of a Christmas thing, but now it's kind of a Halloween thing too. Well, all those decorations and decor, you can get that. I think decorations and decor may be the same thing. But nonetheless, you can get all of that at Kroger. And the most important part of the Halloween celebration, the candy, you can get that too. I'm talking about 20% savings across the board. So go to Kroger to find out more about this. And check out Kroger.com slash Halloween for more on that. Kroger.com slash Halloween uh, for more on that. And you can have a great experience getting ready for Halloween at your local Kroger. All right, we're going to get some recruiting information from Jeff Centel here coming up in just a couple of moments. We'll go on the road with Jeff, assisted by AAA. Jeff going to be on the road tonight uh, for a pretty interesting matchup involving a recruit of note for UGA fans. We'll talk to Jeff about that. May even talk to Jeff about the game I'm going to see tonight too, which also involves a UGA commit. So we'll do a lot of recruiting stuff. Also, decision day looming for some big Georgia targets. We will uh, kind of get into all of that here with Jeff's intel coming up in just a few minutes. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Now, I told you there are two lingering concerns that I'm hearing from Georgia fans a lot. One of those on the offense, what's going on with the rushing attack and we tried to have our turn on that there a moment ago. How about the other thing here now for a moment on defense, and that relates to a pass rush that thus far has, what, just one sack on the season. Georgia's obviously not being hurt right now in terms of you know, the overall uh, pass rush performance, right, because they've only given up 10 points through three games. So defensively, things seem to be going fine here for the moment. But the pass rush has not been as robust through three games as it was for most of last year. And by the way, speaking of foreshadowing, I used that word earlier. Uh, I may have foreshadowed this myself if you want to go back to August. I don't get a chance to go to a lot of Georgia press conferences. I'm almost always in this studio. This is the box that I sort of live in. So here in the uh, Dog Nation World Headquarters studios, that prevents me from being in Athens as much as I want to be. But there was a Saturday this past summer where I was in Athens, got a chance to watch a little Georgia practice, got a chance to attend the Kirby Smart press conference uh, after that was done. And one of the questions I had had at the time was, if you look back at what made you special in 2021, to me, the very high sack total was a big part of that. Do you have any kind of internal goal to replicate that here this year? And Smart gave a direct answer to that. And it seems relevant now based on what we've seen through three games. This was Kirby on what he wanted to see from his pass rush going into the 2022 season, which at the time he was saying this hadn't started yet. Here's Kirby. There's not internally a goal. We don't put a sack goal. We put an effect a quarterback goal. And we all know that's not fun for you guys because you want to talk sack totals. We want to talk batted balls, interceptions, knockdown, hurries. You know, you affect the quarterback with multiple rushes. And, uh, you know, Robert Beal is having a quietly good camp, which is good for us. Um, a lot of times these scrimmages get skewed. Now, last year was a outlier. 
because of the front and the people we had. But these scrimmages get skewed because you take so many snaps. Pass rushing is an effort play. And a lot of sacks are what we call hustle sacks, effort sacks. You don't necessarily win. You give a great second effort. Well, there comes a point in the scrimmage today where they take so many snaps, nobody's fresh. You know, and the offense lineman stays in front of them. Uh, we didn't have – it reminded me of our old scrimmages where we didn't have great pass rush. Not because we don't have pass rushers. We just didn't have uh, the juice that we needed. And um, I can't say that it was like that last year, but it's been like that in years past. So that was Kirby Smart in August responding to a question I had asked about what his goals were for his pass rush because I think you could kind of anticipate that producing the same sack total that Georgia had a year ago was going to be a pretty difficult thing to do. And through three games this year, you see another example of that. Now, here's the one thing I think we all kind of understand. You don't have to be a former coach or former player to have some intuition about this, that whether it be South Carolina this past Saturday or Sanford before that or Bo Nix in Oregon in the game before that, there's pretty clearly – an attempt to stay away from sacks and get rid of the football quickly. And in the case of Bo Nix, that probably led to some mistakes. And maybe for Spencer Rattler, that was the case there as well, because while, while Rattler didn't get sacked a ton, he was sort of pressured and chased down quite a bit and probably made some poor throws because of that. And that's that's all really true. We would all, I think, acknowledge that. But there's also another way to look at that as well, which is that through three games, teams have had a little bit of an effective game plan against Georgia when it comes to avoiding sacks and while Kirby Smart may say hey there's other things besides just a sack total that is important I would also push back and say yeah but we have a lot of evidence in college football that your sack total does matter it is a very common characteristic of national championship teams and at a certain point whether teams are trying to game plan away from sacks or Georgia or not Georgia's still going to have to get more sacks let me give you a couple of data points here to kind of point this out and if you go back and look at the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, that's the eight-year history of the college football playoff, which has been with us since 2014. You only have one example in a full season of a national champion that didn't have at least 40 sacks. That was LSU in 2019. They had 37. They also happened to have, I believe, the most prolific college football offense of all time. So they kind of got away f- uh, with – not having an elite pass rush, but they still had 37. Alabama in the pandemic shortened 2020 still had 35. But every other national champion in the playoff era had at least 40, including Georgia last year, which had 49, which is, by the way, the only time in the smart era at Georgia that Georgia has exceeded 40-plus sacks, and it just so happens they won the national championship in that year. I'll give you the numbers here real quick. Georgia, as I said, 49 last year. Bama in the short 2020 had 35. LSU had 37 in 2019, Clemson in 2018 had 54, Bama had uh, 40 the year before that, National Championship Clemson team had 49 the year before that, Bama again 52 uh, in 2015, and then Ohio State, the first CFP champion, had 45 going back to 2014. So if you're looking for a common characteristic that most national championship teams share, you won't find one that shows up more prominently or you'll, you won't find very many that show up more prominently than the number of sacks you get. National championship teams just sack quarterbacks a lot. And this is one that's also relevant for Georgia too. That while Georgia is not giving up any points whatsoever, one of the areas in which you do see Georgia maybe a little different than last year is they are giving up slightly more on a yards per play basis they have in the past Georgia was second best in the country last year giving up just 4.1 yards per play thus far this year they're still 15 but they are giving up slightly more 
on a per play basis 4.27 yards per play now that's a still a very very small number but Georgia hasn't played the best offenses yet that it's going to play a team like Tennessee in the regular season and teams like Alabama and potentially Ohio State in the postseason you know the 4.1 number for Georgia last year came on the other side of playing Bama twice and uh, whatever other prolific offense that Georgia you know might have played there last season Georgia hasn't yet played those games so it stands to reason that the per play allowed number for Georgia might slightly go up and if it does all the more reason that you do need to produce more negative plays now am I telling you this is something to be very very worried about no I'm not uh, when you're three and zero, ranked number one when you've only given up 10 points total all season long when you're averaging 43 points per game scored it's pretty obvious that right now Georgia doesn't have too much to be worried about but are there some lingering concerns that are worth your attention yeah maybe so and finding a way to get after quarterbacks a little bit more is that one of those things I'd say legitimately that's probably the kind of thing that when you face a Tennessee or when you face an Alabama or when you face a Michigan or Ohio State or maybe even a USC or an Oklahoma when you face teams like that the ability to finish off the pass rush and actually get the quarterback to the ground that's the kind of thing that in recent years the best teams have done. And as Georgia takes a step towards being the best team again here in 2022, that's the kind of thing it's probably going to need to do as well. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Let me tell you something. One of the most pressure-packed situations, at least seemingly, one of the most pressure-packed situations you kind of face in your life is making a decision about real estate. And sometimes this is a decision that you're making on your own behalf. Maybe you have a great place you want to move for a great reason, exciting new job, or to be closer to family that you love. In some cases, it's maybe a challenging situation where you're helping somebody else navigate uh, a property they may need to sell. Whatever situation you find yourself in, the the decision to, to move forward with a new beginning in a real estate uh, scenario all the more reason when you want to have somebody great to kind of be with you on that journey and advise you on that and really kind of point you in the right direction, whether it's buying or selling or investing in a commercial property or maybe an income-producing rental property, all these exciting things you can do in the world of real estate. That's what Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is there to provide for you. Their agents have integrity. They are transaction experts. They understand what happens from the moment the contract is signed all the way to the closing table. They've been through this process many times before, and they want to make this an enjoyable uh, time for you there as well. They believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. Plus, they got 29 offices with 1,500 associates across our area here. That means they've got a lot of strength, a lot of resources they want to put to work for you. So if it's time to buy a new home, if it's time to sell a house so you can get that new home, if it's time to invest in some rental property, if it's a time to kind of get that commercial property, you need to take your business to the next level. Whatever that's about for you, when you think of a real estate transaction, I want you to think about my friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services to help navigate that transaction experience for you. You can find them online at bhhsgeorgia.com. That's bhhsgeorgia.com. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, good to have you here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Before we're done, big thoughts on the big games of the upcoming weekend. Uh, Ella Dorsey stops by to give us a little bit of an update on the weather. We'll do that as part of our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. And a lot of fun as we head towards a Saturday back in Athens again tomorrow. But before that, business to be taken care of when it comes to UGA recruiting. Uh, dog targets nearing decisions, visitors coming in tomorrow, uh, five stars in action on a Friday night. Let's cover all that ground right now as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. 
All right, Jeff Sintel on the road. This is by AAA. A lot of dog fans obviously focused in on the season taking place here for the dogs, but the work of recruiting never slows down. In fact, uh, we got some big dates ahead of us here. I know you covered a lot of this on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger on Wednesday, but uh, it's it's about commitment time for a position that, that Georgia desperately needs. I'm talking about elite wide receivers. You got Tyler Williams. He's getting ready to make his choice. You got Hakeem Williams. He's kind of looming here, too. Uh, we just saw Jalen Hale uh, make the pledge towards Alabama. So receivers kind of in the spotlight right now, Jeff. Uh, what can you tell us about where Georgia sits with all of this? Yeah, folks, good morning. Uh, this is kind of a, you know, the Hale situation was, you know, it's just kind of timely. A lot of the wide receivers were, were making their decision. And, you know, Brandon, one of the things I thought I needed to do a better job of on Hedges this week is we always talk about Hakeem Williams and Tyler Williams and Anthony Evans and guys like that. But I just wanted folks to know that of the 20 top receivers in the country, there's only two left that are uncommitted right now, and that's Hakeem Williams and Tyler Williams. And, you know, everybody would say, hey, man, uh, the Kang don't start recruiting receivers until a certain time during flip season. And I get all that. But it's even more of a starker picture than that, Brandon. 41 of the nation's top 50 receivers are already committed right now. So if the dogs are going to add those big game hunter, big game explosive uh, receivers to their arsenal, it's likely going to have to come in the flip variety. To be very specific to your question, Hakeem Williams is going to decide today and maybe over the last month or so, maybe the last six months or six weeks or so, is when Georgia maybe went from a second or a third to I think now they're not even making the podium right now um, with the Hakeem Williams decision. Uh, it was A&M uh, with a lot, of, a lot of backdoor love for Pitt, and all of a sudden FSU creeped along, and he kept taking visits to FSU. The Seminoles had a great start, which I think is very important. And I'm going to say this, Hakeem Williams is a George Pickens-type talent, uh, that it doesn't look like the Georgia Bulldogs are going to get today, which puts all the focus on Tyler Williams on Tuesday. And the stuff that people will maybe maybe cringe their teeth about a little bit is Tyler Williams is expected to be in Miami this weekend for another unofficial visit. Um, uh, and that's, you know, a, a kid that's out of the Tampa region a little bit. And uh, that's the Miami Hurricanes there that are doing a little bit better under Mario Cristobal. They're certainly recruiting better. They're certainly uh, being a little bit more active on the NIL front. Uh, the thing with Tyler Williams, though, is his family and himself, they've always expressed the desire that their decision is not going to be based on NIL money, but development and NFL money. Yeah, so that's obviously you know one thing to say, and yet when somebody makes a big offer to you, you or at least you would presume that Miami might have a chance to do that, that maybe in the face of that <laughs> – you may not be seeking it, but it also doesn't mean you're going to turn it down now either. So how much should Georgia fans be, you know, I guess worried about that if he's there in Coral Gables and, you know, we've seen Miami not just be active in the NIL front, but be out really outspoken and out front about how much they are willing to do and, and how specific they are about what they've, you know, kind of offered here. Is this a looming concern for uh, Georgia fans this weekend with Tyler expected to be down there for Miami? Well, <clears throat> Brandon, you can look at it two ways. One, Miami couldn't play very well. Uh, he could get a notice at Hard Rock Stadium and how that's really not in the nexus of the of the campus community and the travel commutes there. Um, you know, as far as the NIL matters go, Brandon, I think I, I, while I, it doesn't seem to a lot of folks like Georgia is at the forefront and the precipice of uh, this NIL stuff, I've always been led to believe that uh, for the right players, the right select players in a certain class, that the dogs will – 
we'll, we'll, we'll be at the table, I guess, a little bit when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to put together a quality package for a prospect they feel that they can do well. And, you know, Brendan, I think we're going to be 65 years old doing this show together, hopefully. We're going to be talking about Georgia needing to gain more weapons and more uh, sticks of dynamite at the wide receiver position. But you know what? Um, Kirby Smart has shown us right now that that doesn't really matter. So um, I, the other thing here is, uh, Ikeem Williams, who announces today, you know, when he was thought to be kind of leaning in the direction of Texas A&M, everybody's response to that's basically the same thing. Ah, oh, here comes Texas ATM doing it again, you know, uh, you know, buying a recruit. Well, now that it's Florida State, should the common fans sort of assume the same thing here, which is that somehow Florida State's kind of found a way to put a package together for Hakeem? And I don't mean to, you know, just be so candid about it, but, I mean, obviously when, when it's A&M you're battling against, that's what everybody's saying. When it's Miami that you're battling against, that's what everybody's kind of saying right now too. Should we assume the same thing about Florida State kind of coming, you know, making up a lot of ground very quickly when it comes to Hakeem Williams? I think what you got to figure out, Brandon, here is when you hear things on the trail and what's going on, you got to figure out which programs are seeking to be the highest bidder and which programs are seeking to kind of be a combination of not so much the highest bidder, but also the, the package and things that they would offer. You know, one of the things Hakeem Williams has talked about is he has a strong connection to the entire FSU staff. They make him feel like a rock star whenever he's on campus. They make him feel like Deion Sanders whenever he's on campus. There's the home state type feeling to that as well. And, you know, right now for the Mike Norvell situation that you really get rolling there in Florida State, they need more players like Hakeem Williams. And, you know, that might be one of their uh, – one of their targeted players where they need to put together the most attractive package they can. Um, you know, it, it's something that you sit there and you look at, and it seems like, you know, the wide receiver players, the highly marketable players, the quarterbacks, those are the ones that are attracting a lot of this NIL attention right now. I can think of a, a running back in the 2023 class as well. It's almost like that you see a lot of, you know, what is that offense sells tickets, defense wins championships? Well, in the NIL arena, my friend, you see a lot of offense gets the NIL package jacked up and not so much on the defensive side of the ball. And it's kind of funny how things are actually trending in some certain circles and areas that same way. Return of the Mac is a very popular song from the 90s and it's going to show up a lot in a lot of tailgate playlists for a lot of Georgia fans. Well, tomorrow, with all due respect to that, it's a little bit different scenario. It's noon versus the Mac, and I don't know if that's quite an easy sell for recruits necessarily as Kent State from the Mid-American Conference comes into Athens, Jeff. Um, I'm guessing it's probably about as hard tomorrow to get uh, big-time visitors as just about any other time. Now, the weather's going to be really nice, but for guys who play on Friday, that's an early call time for uh, that Georgia game there at noon on Saturday. What kind of visitor list are we looking at for Georgia versus Kent State? Yeah, so, you know, Brandon, you got me – you got me thinking about that song in my head right now. I've gotten an ATM, uh, Texas A&M impression out of you, and now i got some uh, really good old-school 90s-era Mark Morrison hit rolling through my brain right there. Here's one for you, Brandon. Uh, you know, we all think all things are possible with Todd Hartley, but uh, expected to be in town this weekend are two official visitors. One of those is the defensive lineman Marcus Deal out of Texas. He's a four-star defensive lineman. I think that the, the – the name that people should probably think about a little bit more right now as far as DLs go is Davian Hobbs out of North Carolina, also expected to take his official visit to Georgia later this year. And, Brandon, a lot of those OVs, they're not a whole lot left. According to my numbers, I think they got about 12 left for the entire season. Um, 
But the one that's going to catch everyone's attention right now is a visit from Deuce Robinson. That's the five-star tight end out of Arizona, the nation's number one tight end. Of course, Deuce Robinson is a guy that will likely get selected in the first couple of rounds by Major League Baseball as well. So um, that guy's going to have some options. Brandon, it's going to look like somebody crafted a tight end out of granite, and that's what you want a, a tight end to look like. And, of course, you know, Georgia's always going to try to add the best players to its, to its roster. Pierce Sperling is a guy that's more of a flex tight end than a pure tight end. I think Lawson Lucky is kind of the pure tight end, and you start wondering, you know, if things go amazingly and astonishingly there with Deuce Robinson, you know, what happens there? Is Georgia going to take three tight ends in this class? I think Kirby Smart and Todd Hartley would love to figure that out. Um, you hear a lot of things with Deuce Robinson, though, with USC and out there on the West Coast. Brandon, that's one thing that I think um, – one thing that I think will be different, you know, everybody knows the dogs right now and how they've gotten guys like Kendall Milton and Brock Bowers, even JT Daniels, Ernest Green III going after Roderick Robinson right now. A lot of players from California. I think that's going to be a lot harder in this day and age now with what USC is building with Caleb Williams and their salary cap dollars, so to speak, out there in L.A. as well. So, um, you know, that that's something to think about as well in terms of, Somehow they're getting very big visitors um, for a, a game at noon against a MAC team, which I, I when I hear Kent State, I actually always think of Nick Saban that there because that's the that's where uh, Coach Saban matriculated when he was an undergrad. Yeah, so uh, you know, you, you listen to Georgia fans here this week. It's one of the most commonly asked questions about oh, no, another noon start, and you know, being in Columbia last week, and now this is something that worked out probably well for Georgia fans. But I mean, I've been to Williams Bryce Stadium many times, and that stadium was completely unplugged. I would say because of the earlier start, also the opponent, a big part of that there too. But when it comes to the on-camp campus atmosphere, the in-stadium atmosphere, the 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 backdrop for hosting recruits, it is just not the same at noon as it is other times. And Jeff, as I've kind of written this week at DogNation.com for our Give Me Five piece, I think that better teams playing at noon is something that's going to happen with a lot more regularity just simply because you see the success that Fox has had with its big noon kickoffs. They've put big games at the earlier time slot and done very well from a TV rating standpoint. The, the point I'm getting to though here, Jeff, is is that we will all agree that life isn't fair, but when a team like Georgia is playing so many of its games early because that's what TV's pegging them to do, they're not getting the same opportunity other programs are, whether it's to host recruits or just give fans the experience they want. There's a big disconnect between fans who go to the games, which I would say by and large now prefer the later starts, and fans who watch the game on TV, which the ratings points would tell you seem to like the games being played a little earlier in the day. And I'm not quite so sure what you do about this, but there is a pretty big divide here because these are not equal products at the moment, games that start later compared to games that start earlier. Yeah, you know, Brandon, one of the things, man, is it's uncontested eyeballs. I think that's the main thing. I thought one of the things Fox was doing with its programming selections was what they were doing there is they were trying to figure out, okay, ABC's got the 7 o'clock marquee, CBS has the 330 SEC, ESPN has the number two SEC at 7. You know, if we want to get Wisconsin and Michigan State to catch a lot of eyes and that therefore draw in future revenue dollars, maybe they need to put it at noon. You know, you know, Brandon, I'm going to say this to you, and hopefully we don't let Mike Griffith hear this, but, you know, over the last month or so, I've been starting to think about the Georgia-Florida game. And when you look at the 2023 schedule, Brandon, it's not that Kirby Smart needs that, needs another marquee home game to, 
take folks away from, you know, Florida State, Florida, or LSU, Alabama, or Auburn, Alabama. You know, in this void, Brandon, it looks like a Georgia-Florida game next year in Athens would be the only plum game on the schedule. And it's not it's not just, hey, Georgia-Florida and that whole ball of wax there. It's if you look at an entire schedule and you don't see one appealing home game, then that's maybe what gets Kirby Smart thinking about a schedule and everything else and not just, you know, the Montgomery Burns line you always bring up, you know, I trade everything I have for just a little bit more. Sure. Well, you know, while there are, th- while there are things last year, I mean, we saw last year, the schedule wasn't very appetizing, but our good friend coach Pittman and then the Kentucky Wildcats got themselves undefeated in top 15 ranks where those games in Athens turned out to be monster games and SEC or college game day type uh, station type games. So, you know, I- I've said this for a while, especially on a lot of my platforms, Brandon, I think the average Georgia fan needs to change the way they look at the schedule. It's not that all these schools are coming in for the Georgia game anymore. It's perhaps you're going to see the Georgia team and its greatest run of our lifetimes, the number one team in the nation or the number two or three team in the nation, perhaps the most talented teams Georgia has ever put on a field. That's the show and that's the draw right now. It's not just, you know, they need another top 15 opponent in in the building to generate a lot of buzz. I think Georgia's generating a lot of buzz on its own um, when they look at things like that. Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was fine for the uh, Sanford game a couple of weeks ago. Of course, that game did start a little bit later, but I don't expect the atmosphere for tomorrow's game to be as good. And I'm not trying to be negative. And as you said, you know, watching Georgia is plenty of a marquee in its own right because of how how good Georgia is. But you can't deny it's not the same experience. It's harder to get there early in the morning, and I'm imagining that's doubly true for recruits because almost all these guys are playing the previous Friday night. Yeah, valid points there. You know, you know, one of the things that you, it makes you – Brandon, when you get to Columbia and, you, and it takes you about 45 minutes to an hour and a half to go those last three miles, even if you're three or four hours in front of the kickoff, it makes you appreciate, you know, 316 is pretty bad, but 316 has never been that bad. Um and trying to get to Athens on a game day, you know, you, you sit there and, you know, myself and you, you as well, we try to get to the game really early. I know I got to be at the game like three hours before a kickoff on a, uh, on a, on a Saturday because I want to get there for dog walk and, you know, seeing who all showing up in the building. That makes it very tough, uh, especially when the scribe like myself is at a game on Friday night as well, uh, trying to watch the top high school talent, um, in action on a Friday as well. Certainly understand it. Uh, it Brandon, we got to get we got to get with the program, man. It's all about television. It's all about eyeballs. Everything else is going to come secondary to that. All right. Speaking of uh, five stars in action, I think you're going to see one tonight. I want to talk to you about that more here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that we are on the road. Assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here right now, and of course AAA when we are traveling, going to games on Friday, Saturday, anything like that. You better believe that right there in my wallet, I've got that AAA membership card covering me in case something happens but that's not the only danger that AAA can step in and kind of help prevent for you they're also a name to know when it comes to insurance there as well home insurance here uh, in, in particular and there are a lot of great incentives coming your way when you get your home insurance through AAA one of those is called the disappearing deductible this sounds awesome to me uh, you can get uh, your deductible your deductible reduced by $50 for every policy year you go claim free. That's up to $500. So a great incentive for you getting your home insurance through AAA. And hope you'll check them out today for more on that. AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home insurance. 
or give them a call, 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. Jeff, you had a great story the other day on Dog Nation about five-star edge rusher Samuel Mpemba. I believe you have plans to see Mpemba in person here tonight. A little bit of movement with him as of late, and boy, Georgia fans, I think, would say uh, that's a name that would look awful good here in this 2023 class. What is the latest on Mpemba? Yeah, Brandon, that's a guy that, uh, man, I've had that game, my friend, circled for quite some time on my high school game-watching calendar. They're at Central Phoenix. Um, you know, quickly, we'll, maybe we'll hand out a top fan badge to the first to the first viewer listener uh, that, that knows why Central Phoenix City is also important for a scribe like myself to be there as well. But Mpemba brand, that's a guy I think Georgia is trending for. Uh, he's the five-star edge rusher. That's a reason why. You know, maybe you don't hear as much right now about a guy like Quay Rousseau in Alabama. Um, Mpemba is at he is at IMG Academy. IMG Academy, the national barnstorming team, is in Phoenix City, Alabama tonight to take on the Red Devils of Central Phoenix City. They got three or four SEC-level prospects of their own right on that roster, including one very near and dear to Dog Nation. But Mpemba, got, guys, that's a, that's a guy that the dogs have targeted for forever. I wrote this week how it seems like the whole class is hunkering down. That's the one where uh, Kirby Smart took the lap yep. for the Sanford game around uh, Sanford Stadium. And for the longest time, it feels like Georgia has prioritized Mpemba. Um, he's down to a Final Four, Brandon. That Final Four is actually uh, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, um, Notre Dame, and I believe the, the, the other school there in the mix is Miami. So, like, you know, Georgia's one of the final four. You hear things that his decision might not go until early signing day. It might not even get till mid-October. Um, and Pimba, who was actually at Auburn yesterday on an unofficial visit while he's in that, while he's in that area. Um, number two on the top targets list, man. And, you know, not only that, IMG Academy has guys like, uh, Ellis Robinson, uh, Desmond Ricks, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big time players. That program always has a lot of big time players. Some big time running backs. Jared Gibson is there as well, and it'll be very interesting to see five star Georgia commit AJ Harris go against Ohio State commitment Carnell Tate uh, for a lot of reps no. on, on Friday night tonight. And you know that's one of the games that I certainly I certainly live for and love to go cover and love to go report on for Dog Nation. All right, that's great stuff, Jeff. Can't wait to see that. And we had a nice photo there a moment ago of uh, which you took, obviously, of Mimpemba and Kirby doing that little tour there. And you had the video of that there as well that folks could see from before the hedges a couple of weeks ago. So a little bit of an example of Kirby in action. That's fun to see. And if you're watching on video, you're seeing uh, some of that right now, at least in terms of the still frame of a, a great shot of uh, Kirby and Mimpemba. And uh, good to see Kirby rolling up those sleeves, so to speak, and, and getting that recruiting work done for a player of – Certain note for this 2023 class. Jeff, I can't wait to get your coverage of that. You've also got a great story up on Raymond Cottrell that I hope people see at dognation.com as well. So you've got a lot of irons in the fire here these days. Have a great weekend, and we will look forward to seeing you back here on Dog Nation Daily and on the road. It's just about AAA again next week at the same time. Yeah, thanks for getting that plug in about Cottrell. I want folks to see that. That must have hit their Dog Nation app maybe about 10 minutes ago while we're in the course of our conversation, but he really hunkers down hard on his commitment, Brandon, and that was a lot for us to get out there for the folks to know about Cottrell because, you know, you hear about all these visits he still takes, even though he's been committed to Georgia since November. Uh, when he flipped from Florida, I know that's always near and dear to your heart, but I'd advise folks to check it out. It really is a pretty good reading of the green right now about where the dogs stand, where the dogs stand with 
uh, Raymond Cottrell, wide receiver, 2023 class. Great stuff, Jeff. Can't wait to read it myself, and I'll talk to you very soon. Take it easy, buddy. Be safe. You too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, that story on Cottrell just posting moments ago, so a reaffirmation of that pledge, that commitment sounds like, and that's, as you're thinking about wide receivers and everything going on here with UGA, that is important to consider with Tyler Williams making his decision coming up in a couple of days and uh, Hakeem Williams getting ready to go here today. Uh, Georgia already got one in the fold here, and it sounds like he is solidly in that fold. So uh, read that from Jeff Sintel there at dognation.com on Cottrell. All right. I want to give you a little bit of a preview of the other big games of the weekend. Before that, though, I do need to remind you that we are cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean and wherever you live around SEC country. Easy for you to make your plans on being on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here really soon. For me, living in the Atlanta area where I live and where many of you also live as well, when I think about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, one of the things that I'm thinking of is Port Canaveral. You know, my family, we kind of go to Orlando a lot as it is, and Port Canaveral is just kind of right down the road very easy to kind of drive to that port. I got to tell you, I'm sort of a child at heart in a lot of ways, and I hope I always am. For me, one of the most exciting things about the cruise is when you do kind of drive up to the port. And if you've flown, and you probably had the same experience too, because you still have to take some sort of ground transportation to get there. But as you kind of drive up to the port, you just see the massive cruise ship. It sort of looks like the Death Star. It's just this huge thing. I'm going on Wonder of the Seas in December. That's the largest cruise ship in the world. I know you're going to get that experience, or I'm going to get that experience when I'm doing that. I just love the way these beautiful structures, just the, these ships just stand so tall right there in the water, really in a lot of ways dwarfing the port that it stands next to. And it's just a real clue to all the fun, the excitement you're going to be able to have on board in a situation like that. And you can have the same experience there with us, too, coming up in April when we're on Independence of the Seas for our second-ever cruise with Dog Nation. Our friend Jessica Slater has put a website together to give you all the information you need about us sailing out of Port Canaveral on Independence of the Seas starting on April 24th of next year. Going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, having an unbelievable experience while on board. All the great things that you think of when you think about Royal Caribbean, especially restaurants, the fun bars, the live music, the entertainment, Broadway-style shows, uh, obviously uh, all of that, plus the destinations we're going to. Uh, Nassau, I think, is an incredibly fun place to visit. Uh, Perfect Day, Coco Cay, probably my favorite place in the entire world to spend a day. Private island oasis right there in the Bahamas. And in addition to that, all the Cool Dog Nation extras, they're a part of this there, too. So if you've heard me talk about it, but you've still got more questions, you probably do. Jessica Slater is really good at answering those questions. She's the travel agent that Royal Caribbean trusts to book our Dog Nation cruise here. And so she's booked my cruises personally as well. And I really like Jessica a lot. I'm going to encourage you to give her a call. 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Check that out today want to have you on board for the dog nation cruise coming up in april and want to get you doing like me and maybe taking you a couple of royal caribbean cruises before you get there we'll call them practice cruises if you want to but just make sure you get them booked and get them going there with royal caribbean today all right uh let's talk about some of the big games here for a moment we're going to kind of roll through these i'll have expanded thoughts on this and the rest of the dog nation folks along with dari payroff from rs andrews will weigh on these later on this evening on Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews. Well, let me just give you a couple quick thoughts here for a moment. Georgia's a massive favorite over Kent State. Now, shop around here, but at my bookie earlier this week, you saw 46 points there on that line. And as you know, when it comes to home games with a number that big, it's not been a favorable spot for Georgia. Uh, Georgia's actually failed to cover eight straight home games in which they were favored by 40 or more points. 
There are 79% of the spread bets on UGA here, according to our friends at the Action Network. But I can't back Georgia necessarily to number this big. Could they win the game 100 to nothing? Of course they could. Would I bet my own money on a spread that large? I probably wouldn't. The most interesting gambling angle related to this game, and you heard me mention this earlier this week, is there has been a massive movement in the over-under total. That's the combined points that both teams are expected to score. Georgia games have pretty you know, heavily gone under five straight, 11 of the last 14, finish under the total. But a lot of that lately has been because of no offense on the other side. But the offensive output that Georgia has shown has gotten a lot of respect as of late. So this total went from an opening number of 55 and a half all the way up to 62 at one point here this week. So a little bit of respect seemingly being shown towards the Georgia offense here. Expected final score somewhere in the neighborhood of 55-7 if you're interested in that. And it could very easily happen. I'm just not betting on that, not at a number that big. Speaking of betting, another game that's going to get a lot of gambling interest is Florida at Tennessee. A number that we gave you yesterday, this continues to be interesting to me. If you look at that spread in the neighborhood of about 10.5 points right now, uh, experts are telling us this is the most that Tennessee's been favored against Florida going back to the 1970s, which is as far back as any kind of information on this goes. You know, guys like Brad Powers, ESPN Stats and Info had that a little earlier. Up until now, we've seen Florida, I should say Tennessee, only favored by no more than a touchdown in the past against Florida in a spot like this, but looking at a big double-digit number there on Saturday. Of course, the Vols just 3-5 and five against the spread in the SEC last year and straight up just 13-17 and 17 in their last 30. Uh, that, to me, suggests that maybe this line a little bit too much too soon for the Vols. Maybe gamblers at large kind of agree. 54% of spread bets coming in on Florida on this. And keep in mind, for two coaches, Billy Napier and Josh Heupel, both relatively the same in terms of their experience as a head coach Napier has been slightly better 42 and 13 straight up dating back to 2018 compared to 38 and 14 for Josh Heupel the other in other words while Heupel may have been in the SEC for a year longer Billy Napier was at Louisiana Lafayette and he was winning some games there do I think he has a chance to keep this one somewhat close against Tennessee at least closer than that spread there on Saturday there's a chance that he might it's at least worth a nod for me in the direction of maybe for a team like Tennessee with game day on its campus and with a lot of energy around the game will they win it in all likelihood they probably will will it be as easy as experts seem to think it's supposed to be I don't quite know that I would go there on that just as yet I'll make a couple other picks here real quick for you I do like Arkansas against Texas A&M A&M has been a slight favorite here in this game but Arkansas under Sam Pittman has been great against the spread 12-6-1 against SEC votes versus the number since Pittman became coach there in 2020. Uh, 59% of spread bets on the side of Arkansas. Also, if you go back and look at Arkansas as an underdog since 2020 when Pittman first became head coach, they've won four times outright in that situation. They've also covered four of their last five instances as an underdog. So they've been strong as a dog winning games straight up and just beating the number and beating expectations on a regular basis. I think they do that to Texas A&M on Saturday. Believe it or not, I also kind of like Auburn a little bit, minus the seven against Missouri. Not a ton to recommend about the Tigers right now, meaning the Auburn Tigers. You typically think of Jordan-Hare Stadium as being a tough place to play, but under Brian Harson, that hasn't necessarily been the case. They're just three and four against the spread as a favorite at home in the Harson era here thus far. But when Missouri's gone on the road, they've been even worse. Two and six against the spread on the road in SEC play with Eli Drinkwitz there as coach. 64% of spread bets right now coming in on the side of Auburn. But one thing to keep in mind, for an Auburn team that wasn't very good a year ago, 
they did bounce back after ugly stretches pretty well. Remember, this is a team that beat LSU after barely slipping past Georgia State and getting beat by Penn State in the whiteout game a year ago, went on a two-game winning streak against Arkansas and Ole Miss after getting blasted 34-10 by Georgia, and concluded the regular season by, in surprising fashion, taking Alabama to overtime after losing three straight games straight up prior to that. So they've shown some life in the past uh, after bad moments under Harson and he may only be hanging on by a string as head coach right now, but against a pretty wretched Missouri team, I believe Auburn actually probably shows some life here again there on Saturday. And then I'll also mention the one top 25 game outside the SEC. Wake Forest has the better quarterback than Sam Hartman. They're playing at home, and they're getting at least a touchdown's worth of value in the spread. For a Clemson team that's great defensively but still not very good offensively, that may be enough for the Demon Deacons to keep it close. That would be my pick there on that as well. And by the way, you hear me making my picks as we're cruising on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Don't forget that uh, when you hear us doing that, you also have a chance to show me and show the world that you actually know more about making your picks than I do, and you probably do. Let's face it on that. Our friends at MyBookie give you a chance to do that. You can find MyBookie online and use the promo code DOGNATION. That's spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G. When you use that promo code, DOGNATION, you're going to get 100% deposit bonus on your initial deposit. So when you open up your account with MyBookie, let's say you put in $200. They're going to put $200 in for you there as well. That means you have $400 in your account before you place your first bet. So before you place the bet, before you're winner you're already a winner with my bookie that's how they take care of their players giving you a big deposit bonus when you first sign up then after that you simply play you win you get paid college football on saturdays pro football on sundays baseball heading down the stretch towards the playoffs a lot of ways for you to get action down on a game spread bet money line uh, over under totals futures plays and who's going to win championships and things like that it's all available for you with my bookie bet on anything anytime anywhere but you've got to use the promo code dog nation to get the hundred percent sign up bonus up to a thousand dollars with our friends at my bookie so make sure you find them online today now here on our show dog nation daily we love fridays because we love the weekends and we especially love those football weekends as well and when we're thinking about getting ready for a great tailgate day in Athens, we're thinking about taking our friends with the finished long drink with us. And many of you kind of do the same thing, which we love there too. And we kind of celebrate all of that right now with our big finish to the week presented by the finished long drink. And I want to show you this here for a moment. I was thinking this morning about this. So this is a photo I took of, I mean, how good does that uh, blue can look? That's the uh, traditional citrus flavor, that kind of a grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. Uh, that was from our Dog Nation duck hunt tailgate to begin the season. Nice ice down cooler full of that great looking finished long drink. And so many folks were enjoying it that day. Really hot day that day. So the long drink, you know, went down really nice. It kind of looks like a beer, but it's a ready to drink cocktail. If you like mixed drinks, this is a mixed drink in a can. And it's fun to think about all the finished long drink that was flowing that day at our Dog Nation duck hunt tailgate. And fun to think about all the folks who are going to make the finished long drink a big part of their tailgate in Athens tomorrow. So if you haven't tried it yet, you got a great chance to do that. You can go to thelongdrink.com and you can look at the four different varieties, the cranberry, the long drink traditional, which I like, long drink strong, that's 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, that's no carb, no sugar. You can uh, see all of that and check all of that out and uh, you can try some today. And you can be a part of our big finish next Friday. Just simply send us a shot of like the one that I took there of the Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate and show us yourself enjoying your some finished long drink and we'll celebrate you as we celebrate the weekend as part of our big finish presented by the finished long drink here each and every Friday on Dog Nation Daily. 
And of course, speaking of celebrating, we also like to celebrate our audience as we wrap up uh, shows. And we do that by also making fun of those lousy, stinking gators, something we definitely like to do there as well. One of these things is our golden shoe, which we give out in honor of the uh, moment back in 2020 when Florida lost a game because of a nefarious thrown shoe, and we still like to have fun with that. Our buddy Frankie Fibonacci, who's always so clever, shares this with us. I guess this is a meme that's been passed around by a lot of Georgia fans. It's of Stetson Bennett. It says, Stequavius Fleming of House Bennett, the fourth of his name, king of the Blackshears and Munkin's men, protector of the classic city, the father of elephants, the uh, call of uh, great privet hedges, the unrecruited, the breaker of 41-year chains. Uh, that's really good. A little bit of a nod to Game of Thrones. Very funny stuff to whoever made that. And Frankie Fibonacci for sharing it with us. I certainly appreciate that golden shoe indeed. Also, how about this from Thad Stokes, who says, Dog Nation Daily, could it be? Last year, he was all about Brock Bowers. This is his son, who's made some great artwork. But now Stetson Bennett's the one getting the custom artwork, too, from my eight-year-old son. Look out, Brock. In either case, he's rooting for you both each and every day. And how about that great-looking artwork there by Thad's son? And I certainly appreciate that being shared with us. And we love to see fathers and sons enjoying some Georgia football together. And no doubt we'll be seeing plenty of that tomorrow. So that is fun to consider there as well. We'll give out a golden shoe to the Stokes family on that. And also remind you, 5,006 days. That is how long it's been since Florida has won a national championship. And it is not good to be a Gator these days. And it gets even worse when you start thinking about that Gator-Hater countdown. 36 days from right now. Dogs back in Jacksonville. Eddie, the mascot of Dog Nation Daily, who lives to mock Florida as he has since 2017, will uh, be smiling once again. Even if he can't see it, he's going to be happy about it uh, as Georgia beats up on Florida again. By the way, don't forget to go to the top of the page, dognation.com, and you can get yourself your own Eddie t-shirt. I was wearing one yesterday. You want to celebrate Eddie the Blind Squirrel? You can do that. You want to let the lousy, stinking gators know how lousy and stinking they are? You can do that there as well. Uh, Just click the link right there at the top of the page of dognation.com, and you can get into the Dog Nation store and see that for yourself. Y'all enjoy the game on Saturday. I'll see you in Athens. If you're going to be there, stop by and see us at the UGA Bookstore. And we'll also talk to you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Croker. We'll see you then, everybody. And with the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. And as a special guest today, as we do every single Friday, with a look at game day weather from CBS 46, here is meteorologist Ella Dorsey. Ella, we've seen it at dognation.com, your forecast. This is the kind of news that we love on game day. I'm talking about almost perfect fall weather. How happy does this make you? It's not almost perfect, Brandon. It is perfect i was telling everyone all morning you know like through the summer when it's so hot and you're just dreaming of those amazing fall days with not a cloud in the sky you daydream about that weather that football weather you know that is this weekend it's right now you know not a cloud in the sky we had a cold front come through yesterday we hit 94 degrees yesterday by the way which is a record high just crazy today highs in the 70s if you are going to be going to athens tomorrow morning lows if you're going to get out early for tailgating obviously a noon kick many people going to be out 8 9 a.m it's going to be cool out there temperatures will start in the low 50s tomorrow morning at sunrise it will warm up quickly so bring a light jacket for tailgating Tailgating by 10 or 11 a.m., you'll be able to ditch the jacket. By kickoff, it's 73 and sunny outside. It just doesn't get better by the end of the game. We're sitting in Athens around 78. Highs tomorrow across North Georgia will be in the low 80s. So just perfection, low humidity. I do want to remind you, though, even though it is fall, the sun's still pretty strong this time of year, and it's going to dominate tomorrow. So still make sure that you're wearing 
little bit of sunscreen out there, but yes, perfect fall weather. It looks like that's going to continue next week as well. We're not going to see any more hot days. Highs in the 70s, lots of sunshine next week, morning lows in the 50s. So I don't mean to put a negative spin on this, but you know what's going to happen tomorrow. People are going to get out there. That tailgate's going to be so perfect. It's going to be so pleasant. You know, the beverage is going to taste great. Food's going to taste a little extra, extra good, too. Just Everything's going to be so great. Come noontime, when it's time to get in the stadium and start making some noise, you may have a little bit of a slow-arriving crowd tomorrow because the one thing that would make tomorrow better if the game was a little later start, tailgate's going to be enjoyed pretty aggressively tomorrow. You sort of wonder what that does to the crowd in terms of being in their seats in time for kickoff. What do you think that, What do you think the attendance is going to be tomorrow, Brandon? I think eventually you get somewhere in the neighborhood of a full house because they were pretty full for the Sanford game the other day. But come yeah. kickoff, I'm guessing you see a lot of aluminum bleachers where people are supposed to be because, like I said before, that tailgate is going to be just getting kind of cranked up good when it's time to start walking to the stadium. You may have a few folks a little slow to want to put those coolers away. Oh, yeah. North Campus tomorrow is going to be chef's kiss. Yeah. Jeff's kiss. It's going to be beautiful. I do wanted to give you guys a heads up that we have a new tropical depression in the Caribbean. Right now, it looks like it's going to make landfall in Florida next week is a major hurricane. So it's going to be something that we're watching really closely. Does not look currently like it will have any impact here in North Georgia, but just a small shift west in the track would mean heavy rain and potentially severe weather for us at the end of next week. So that's going to be the major stories we had in the next week. Obviously next week's game, mistake me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon is in Missouri, that's right? right? That's right. Yeah. So it wouldn't impact any football weather, but it is something that we're going to be watching really closely. If you have friends and family in Florida, if you have beach plans in Florida, and then also the Georgia coastline. So Savannah Charleston, South Carolina, North Carolina, they're going to have to be on high alert, okay. too, because the storm could cross over Florida and ride up the Atlantic coast. So definitely our first tropical storm of the season. So certainly we'll be praying hard for those folks that they can stay out of harm's way. Obviously, this time of year, you get, you know, we love good fall weather, but you also know for the folks who live at the coast, it also kind of comes with the start of hurricane season. So we'll keep that mm -hmm. in our minds and hope for uh, good news there on all of that. On the field last Saturday, Georgia certainly got some of that. Uh, beating up South Carolina pretty bad. How much did you enjoy watching the dogs last week? Uh, I loved it. Look, um, I've been to, went to Columbia one time for a game. I went to school at Georgia from 09 to 13. I believe I went in 11, um, 2011. And I was pre-gaming with my friends and hated Columbia so much oh. that I stopped drinking, started drinking water, <laughs> and drove home back to Athens <laughs> at halftime. Okay? So I do not like South Carolina. Watching us beat down on them last week was really great. Finally, just getting Stetson getting the respect he deserves. You know what I mean? Like, the oh, fact yeah. that it even took this long is ridiculous, but – all of the sports broadcasters at the beginning of the year were kind of talking crap about him. They weren't really giving him the respect he deserves. And last week I heard them say, put some respect on Stetson Bennett's name. And you gotta, right? After watching the last three, four games, he is just incredible. I think I saw a stat somewhere that he had some statistic that lined up the last person, the last quarterback to do it was Patrick Mahomes in yeah. 2016. That's the kind of uh, territory Stetson Bennett finds himself in right now. And I got to tell you this. So last week you were joking about your distaste for uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Well, I found yeah. myself on Saturday stuck in awful traffic. I had to pull off the side of the road, kind of do some of the pregame video stuff that we do. 
it was the worst backdrop you've ever seen in your life. It's like graffiti on the walls. There's like a random water heater just sort of standing there. Like, it's just like nothing but just trash everywhere. And I was like, this is exactly what Ella described Columbia as being. And if you saw the video last week, kind of prior to the game, that's kind of where I was. The area around the stadium looks like an apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, it's like all concrete. It's not, it is not nice at all. And let me say, I also just have a special distaste for the University of Tennessee because I worked in Knoxville for my first two years out of college. And it was the two years that we lost to the Vols. And I did not hear the end of it. Okay. But I will say that Knoxville is beautiful. The University of Tennessee's campus is gorgeous. They have this thing called the Vol Navy, which is the the Tennessee River runs right by the stadium and all these like these rich people with their boats, they come dock them and they just pregame on their boats. Um, It's a much better situation going to Tennessee and playing in Tennessee. Obviously they're playing here this year, but if you ever get the chance to go up there for a game, I would. Um, But yeah, going to South Carolina is not an away game that I would recommend, especially we're, we're so spoiled with Athens too. So much so. So Columbia, yeah. not very nice, but what is really nice, the brand new studio coming for you guys there in the morning on CBS 46. How's that going? And I know that's kind of an exciting new time. Everything fun with that? Yeah, so we actually just got finished with rehearsals. We've been rehearsing every day to get it down. We have a ton of new cameras. We have a track cam that like goes through the studio that can get all these really cool wow. shots. That's, that's part of our new brand, Atlanta News First, that's launching on October 4th, so the week after next. And with it, you'll see just better storytelling, a lot of new faces. We've hired 40 new people wow. uh, to just go along with how big Atlanta is getting. And we're now going to have a team of eight meteorologists. So we'll have the biggest team in Atlanta, all new technology. So it's really, really exciting. Um, Again, that launches the week after next. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you tune in. It's going to be really cool. So folks can see Ella's full game day forecast right now at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation YouTube page there as well. And tune in each and every morning right there on CBS 46 here in the Atlanta area for some uh, great fun times. They do a great job. And Ella, you always do a great job with us here on Fridays there as well. So thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoy your weekend and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Love talking to you, Brandon. Everyone enjoy this weather. Go dogs.